to uh, let's pray and then we'll start at Numbers 31. Father, again, we come before you, Lord, and um, ask that you would continue to move in our hearts and our midst as we had time to worship and sing and lift our voices to you in praise and adoration, Lord. And now we ask that you'd move by your spirit uh, through our hearts, through our midst, as you're so faithful to do through your word, Lord. We just love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're coming close to the end of the book of Numbers, and uh, what an exciting time. I think there's some great lessons in these two chapters tonight, and so um, let's look at that. So if you made your way to Numbers, and I didn't make my way there, so let me do that real quick. Chapter 31, uh, remember that we are moving into this new generation of people that are coming into the land. Um They had gone through the wilderness and the, and the journey, the about 40 years of wandering, and because they didn't choose to go in in faith. Remember, they showed up there, they spied out the land. Two, two of the spies said, yeah, we can do it. The other ten said, there's no way we can do it. There's giants. They have walled cities. It's just impossible. Even though the Lord had told them all that ahead of time, he promised that he would take them in, that he would go ahead of them and take care of all those impossible obstacles. Well, they chose to 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 believe the tent's uh, bad report, and they wandered around. And, and so again, uh, now this new generation, the old generation has died. Now this new generation is coming up. Remember, most of them were little kids when this started. Some maybe were in elementary school. Some maybe were kind of high schoolers. We'd say some weren't even born yet. And, and so when when that wilderness march started, so God wanted to prepare those people. For going into the land. And one of the things they were going to do before they go in in chapter 31 is that, remember the Midianites we talked about a couple weeks ago? There was a guy named Balaam. It was that whole kind of weird deal where, uh, you know, he, God spoke to him even though he wasn't a believer and he did all kinds of stuff. God, for some reason, is one of those things we don't have the answer to why God would speak uh, to him and through him. But he did, and when the when the people were coming in to that Moabite land, he said, oh man, I better call Balaam over here because there's no way we can defeat him. I want him to curse him. And remember, he came reluctantly, even though the Lord said not to. And then, remember, he would look at the people, and, and God would give them this vision and bless them. And he did that a number of times. But remember, all of a sudden, he, he told the king of Moab, listen, uh, you, you can't, you're not strong enough to defeat him on the outward. There's just no, nothing that can come against them that can defend, the, can defeat them because they're, they're God's people. The only way you can beat them is if they defeat themselves, right? The only way you can, if you uh, get them to sin against the Lord, then God will judge them. And that's what they did. Remember, they sent all the girls in, they dressed them up, and there was all sorts of sexual immorality. And hey, we do, this is the way we party over in Moab. Come on, join us. And You know, that's exactly what they did. And, you know, thousands of them died. And now, um, uh, sometime later here, God says, listen, we need to take care of those, those, those Midianites. And, um, and this is what I want you to do. And that's what chapter 31 is. So let's look at it. Verse one says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take vengeance on the Midianites for the children of Israel. Afterwards, you shall be gathered to your people. So pretty much this is the last official act of Moses. Remember, God said, you're not going to go in the promised land. You misrepresented me. And so the Lord has one thing for Moses to do before he 
uh, is going to die. Now, we know the whole book of Deuteronomy, um, Moses is, uh, is going to speak the law. And Deuteronomy just means like the second giving, the second giving of the law. So what he'll do is he'll summarize all those things that we learn in all these books and Leviticus and some of Exodus and and some in Numbers. And he's just going to condense everything down to this 30-day instruction to the people. And then he's going to go home to be with the Lord. And uh, so this was his last official act. And verse 3 says, And Moses spoke to the people, saying, Arm some of yourselves for war, and let them go against the Midianites to take vengeance for the Lord on Midian. Thousand from each tribe of all the tribes of Israel you shall send to the war. So... There were recruited from the divisions of Israel, 1,000 from each tribe, so 12,000 armed for war. Now remember, the book of Numbers is numbering of the people. You remember how many were actually able and ready soldiers that Israel had? There's about 600,000 people that were soldiers, if you would. And God chose just to send 12,000, interestingly enough. And said, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you, you're going to send only twelve thousand. So, you know, in faith, you only need this. God's going to take care of him. He wanted to send twelve thousand, and now probably the most important part of the army, besides the twelve thousand guys, is verse six. And then Moses sent them to war, one thousand from each tribe, and he sent them to war with Phineas, the son of Eleazar the priest, with the holy articles and the signal trumpets in his hand. So who's going to lead the soldiers? Not the top general, not, you know, the the strategy war guy like we'd have today at the Pentagon. Um, no, who's going to lead this group? One of the priests. In fact, the son of the high priest who would be the next high priest when his dad dies. Now, um, Phineas, remember, was that heroic guy during this Midianite battle or this Midianite sin, when the women were coming in and causing all these guys to, to sin, right in front of the tabernacle, you remember one of the Israelite guys and one of the Moabite gals comes walking by, and they're just getting ready to go at it and party in their tent, and Phineas sees this, and he grabs that, that spear, remember, and runs into the tent and, 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 and nails both of them, and that stopped the plague. And so this is that Phineas guy that was connected with all this, And he's going to be the commander. Now, what army sends the pastor or the high priest or the son of the high priest to lead in the army? I mean, no other army would do that. It's pretty amazing. And, and part of the, the implements for war was he carried some of the articles from the Holy Articles. A lot of people believe that means they carried the Ark of the Covenant. Maybe some other things, from the tabernacle we've been talking about. So in other words, God's presence was going out there. He was going to lead. This is what he called them to do. And he wanted to make his presence very visible. And it wasn't about how, what kind of strategy and how many men you have against how many men they have. No, I want you to send the priest ahead. I want you to, he's going to signal the trumpets and I'm going to take care of it. So again, this was a, a holy war if you would, uh, in the name of God and the power of God. And so, um, again, is this somebody you want to lead the army? If you're going out to fight, I don't want the priest to go, I don't want the 
holy guy. I mean, come on, we need a general. But, you know, what they were saying is, Lord, we're counting on you. You're the one that's going to give us a victory. Completely different than any army would go out today. They would say, you're crazy. Let the chaplain, we'd say, lead the army. No, that's the guy that just prays. That guy is this, you know, he. what does he know about going out? Well, it was amazing. Uh, remember, there was a story, um, was it, uh, uh, not Uzziah, I'm trying to think, one of the uh, kings in Israel, remember that God says, I'm going to give you victory. They, they, It was like a, a thousand to one odds, you know, there was so many of the opposing force and God said, listen, I'm going to give you delivery and remember the king sent out the, the praise team ahead. They're just already rejoicing because God said they're going to give him victory. So who, did, who led who led their small little army? It was it was the worship team singing praise to God because he was going to give them deliverance. And it's a great thing to go out knowing that God is for you and God's with you and he wants to give you the victory. And that's what happened. So verse seven, and they warred against the Midianites just as the Lord commanded Moses and they killed all the males. They killed the king of Midian with the rest of those who were killed And it lists their names, Evi, Retkin, Zer, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. And Balaam, the son of Beor, they also killed with the sword. So Balaam was in there too. And and uh, remember he said one of his uh, blessings from the Lord, may you know, I die the death of the righteous, but you got to live the life of the righteous to death, die in the life of the righteous. And he was died. So everyone... Every one of the Midianite soldiers dies, including Balaam. And uh, God gives them victory. Verse 9, the children of Israel took the women of Midian captive with their little ones as they, as the uh, spoil, all um, took as spoil all their cattle, all their flocks and all their goods. They also burnt with fire all the cities where they dwelt in all their forts. Verse 11, and they took the spoil and all the booty of a man of man and beast, and they brought the captives, booty and the spoil, to Moses, to Eleazar the priest, and the congregation of the children of Israel in the camp of the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. And Moses, verse 13 says, Eleazar the priest and all the leaders of the congregation uh, went to meet them outside the camp. But Moses was angry with the officers of the army and with the captains over the thousands and the captains over the hundreds who had um, come from the battle. And Moses said to them, Have you kept all the women alive? Look, these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Now therefore kill every male among the little ones and kill every woman who has known a man intimately. But keep alive for yourselves all the young girls who have not known a man intimately. So they had a great victory and they came back and they brought all the all the spoils back. But rather than getting praise from Moses, they got anger. He said, why did you keep all these women alive? Moses was mad because uh, it was the sin of the women that caused all the problems in, in Israel to have that plague go forth. And so why did you keep them alive? It wasn't the men, it was the women. And, and again, there was all the, you know, they were getting hooked up with all the Midianite ladies. Remember, the enemy couldn't defeat them on the outside. They could only bring judgment on themselves, which is what Balaam uh, told them. 
And the Lord here says something that, it, you know, you might think is kind of harsh in one way, but he says, listen, I don't want that sin to spread again. You already know what they did once. You already know what they're capable of. You already know the immorality in that whole group of people. And I don't want you to, I don't want that to be a part of anything that you have at all. Now, again, when we talk about this killing, people get like, oh, Ben, what's the Lord all about? And what's going on here? Why does he do all this? Well, this is something that we've read over and over again. God told them many times since they left Egypt, even before they left Egypt. Listen, when you go into the promised land, the reason that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and all of your forefathers couldn't have that land is because I gave the land an extra 400 years to turn it around and repent. So you're going to have to be down in Egypt while that 400-year period of them uh, expires. And then God knowing all, knowing that they wouldn't change, when you go back in, listen, that's it. Judgment is going to fall on these people because there is basically no hope for them. And I don't want that infection to spread to my people. Uh, It's just kind of like cancer. You know, you get cancer and they want to get rid of those cancer cells because you don't want them to replicate and repeat in your body and so they you know radiate it they might take it out by surgery they give you chemotherapy and and all those things is because those those cancer cells those cells that are harmful uh to you would kill you and in that same kind of sense uh spiritually god says listen that those groups will infect you And I don't want that to happen. And there's no hope of turning them around. I've given them those time to do that. They're not turning around and now time for judgment to fall. And so we'll see that, especially in the book of Joshua, as they go in, you know, God's judgment's going to fall. And the Lord doesn't want any of that. In fact, his plan was he doesn't want any of that infection. Now, remember, God did spare some. Remember Rahab? We'll see the harlot. Remember her and her whole family? Well, they got to come in. Uh, the Gibeonites, they were allowed, you know, to be a part. So, you know, the ones that I believe that God knew and had a heart, you know, that, that were had hope of change, you know, God did. But for the rest, that that was it. And we'll see that kind of repeated. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that as we go along. The Lord's going to do that, by the way, to this world one day. When he raptures out the church, we've been talking about that on Sunday morning, and, and then his judgment's going to fall. And there's a time limit where God sets and says, that's it. And I believe that happens in people's lives personally, too. Now, God's grace and mercy is, is wonderful, and it's usually, in my opinion, up to the last day they're alive. But at some point, God says, that's it. Um, and and that was what's going on for the Midianites. Uh, Except for the, the the gals there. Now, verse 19 says, As for you, remain outside the camp. So they just came back from war. Now he gives them some instructions. Remain outside the camp seven days. Whoever has killed any person and whoever has touched any slain, purify yourselves and your captives and on the third day and on the seventh day. And purify every garment, everything made with leather, everything woven of goat's hair, and everything made of wood. Then Eleazar the police, a priest, I'm sorry, said... To the men of war who had gone into battle, this is the ordinance of the law which the Lord commanded Moses. Only the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, the tin, and the lead. Everything that can endure fire, you shall put through the fire, and it shall be clean. 
and it shall be purified with the water of purification. All that cannot endure the fire you shall put through water, and you shall wash your clothes on the seventh day and be clean, and afterward you may come into the camp. Now, if you've been with us, you know that's that's something we already read earlier on in Leviticus, remember? God says, listen, when you come from war, there's a certain procedure. Now, why does the Lord do this? Why does the Lord demand purification and cleaning by fire and, and by water? Well, I believe a couple of reasons, right? You come back and you just get basically seven days to kind of relax uh, and get out of that war mode and to spend time yourself being cleansed by the Lord, your, your purification, you know, getting your heart, uh, getting washed because it was bloody and war is awful and war is terrible. And so God's reminding them, uh, you know, uh, it's not what my plan was. It's not what I ever intended. But because of the sinfulness of man, that happens. And so I want to get your heart right. It would maybe cut down on the, we'd say, P- PTSD today, the post-traumatic stress, if you would. And, and and he wants them now for a week to focus on the things of the Lord. And the things that you receive during battle, either if they can go through fire, you're to purify them. If you can't, they're like clothes, then you got to wash them. And you got to wash yourself. And the Lord's saying, listen, um, they, everything needs to be cleansed. Everything needs to rest. Everything kind of needs a reset. Because of battle going on and there's wars. And yes, they were God's instrument of judgment, but you know the Lord wanted to get their focus back right and their heart back right and remember uh, to purify everything that the Lord allowed them to have. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, I think it's just a, a great thing for the people and to remind them and to get their their heads right and to realize the price and the cost of, of sin. And, and he did that very clearly with his people. So they kind of got a week off, if you would, outside of normal duties. They weren't going back to their houses, their tents. They were outside together. And the Lord was cleansing them. And they were to be cleansed. And everything was to be going through fire, just to be cleansed. That's the idea. And verse 25 said, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Count up the plunder that was taken, a man of man and of beast. You and Eleazar the priest and the chief fathers of the congregation, and divide the plunder into two parts, between those who took part in the war and those who went out to battle, all and all the congregation. So interestingly enough, because only 12,000 went, God says, listen, what you get, what you brought back for beasts and, and, and people, you're, you're, you're to divide evenly. So there's different callings. Some of you were called to stay back in camp. Some were you called to go out. But The blessings are spread around. I mean, it, that would be unheard of in those times. Hey, if you win, you're part of the war. You you got the victory, and and all and the spoils came to you. But God said, "No, listen. Uh, there was plenty to do back in the camp. I didn't call them to go out, and so I want you to to share the blessings." It's just a great lesson for all of our hearts, right? God wants us to be givers and to share what we've been blessed with. It's so important that we do that. That's the heart of the Lord. And, and, and he's just showing his people here as a nation, man, you've been blessed, you've been given. Now give freely, because I've given it to you freely. Don't hold back and don't, well, I need, I need, uh, well, what about me? No, I'll take care of you. And that's what he's doing here. And, and then the rest of the verses is pretty much could be divided up into this chart here. 
And really, verses uh, 28 through 47 really just give the count here. And so you can see um, the warrior's portion and the people's portion on the third column. So they divided it up. And then God said, listen, uh, you know, I want you to give. Give to me, you know. There, there is a tithing principle, if you would, in here. Now, it was a little bit more than that and a little bit less in some areas, but 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 here it is. So they were to give the Lord's portion and, and the people's portion they were to give uh, to the Lord as well. And, and so he kind of just divides it up and here's the people's portions and here's what they received as far as all spreading it around. And if you look, verse 47 says, and from the children of Israel on... Israel, I'm sorry, from the children of Israel, half Moses took one out of every fifth drawn from a man and the beast and gave it to the Levites who kept charge of the tabernacle of the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. So they received the blessings and the spoils and and, and, they, and, and then God shares it out. So everybody gets to enjoy the blessings and it's spread around of what God's done. But that's not all. This Read the last part of this chapter. It's pretty interesting. Verse 46, And the officers who were over thousands of the army and the captains of the thousands and the captains of the hundreds came near to Moses. And they said to Moses, Your servants have taken account of the men of war who are under our command, and not a man of us is missing. So I, a captain of the thousands, said, I went in with a thousand guys after the battle. There's a thousand of us. So no one was missing. No one died in that whole battle. And so verse 30, I'm sorry, verse 50 says, uh, Therefore, we have brought an offering for the Lord. What every man found in ornaments of gold and uh, armlets and bracelets and signet rings and earrings and necklaces to make an atonement for ourselves before the Lord. So Moses and Eleazar the priest received the gold from them, all the fashion ornaments And all the gold of the offering that they offered to the Lord from the captains of thousands and the captains of hundreds was 16,750 shekels. And the men of war had taken spoil for every man for himself. And Moses and Eleazar the priest received the gold from the captains of thousands and of hundreds and brought it into the tabernacle of meaning as a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord. And so and the officers look around and they go, wow, we everybody's here. Everybody survived. You, you know, we were so blessed, Lord. You took care of us down to every single man. Not one was lost in the battle. And so in praise and in gratitude from the Lord, the, off, the, the uh, these officers and captains make a special offering to the Lord. They were just, they were so thankful And so blessed, not only by what they already had, but, you know, what what else they got, some of the precious metals belonged to the soldiers, and they decided to give up so much of that. In fact, it was 420 pounds, that's what it uh, equaled out to, of gold that they gave to the Lord. Because, you know, they gave this extraordinary gift because they just saw the miraculous hand of God. And I just believe that's so true in, in the life of a person. You know, the more they see God's the grace and the love and the blessing flowing through their lives, the more a giver a person's going to be because they're going to realize, Lord, I have everything because of you. What I have and what you give me and what is around me all comes from you. 
And, and I'm so blessed that you watch over and you protect and you take care of me. How, how can I not just be a giver? And I think that's just a great mark of a mature believer is they're just willing to give of, uh, of their resources and of their time and of their love and of their heart to the things of the Lord. Um, and, and that's such a great mark. And these guys were just overwhelmed with that. And I think it's a, a great testimony, a great reminder. Amen. Well, chapter 32, a whole nother different deal, guys. I, I think this is a powerful chapter and some wonderful lessons um, about compromise, not going in uh, to all that the Lord has. Or we could title this chapter, uh, Being Satisfied with Second Best. So let's look at that as we switch gears here. Verse one. Now the children of Israel... I'm sorry, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazar and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock. And the children of Gad and the children and the children of Reuben came and spoke to Moses, to Eleazar the priest, and to the leaders of the congregation, saying, uh, Atheroth, Dibion, Jazar, Nimrah, Heshbon, Uh, Elia, Shebna, Nebo, and beyond, the country uh, which the Lord defeated before the congregation Israel is a land for livestock. And your servants have livestock. Therefore, they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan." Man, if you're an underlining guy in your Bible, I think verse 5 is just a great line to underline. What, what's happening here? These groups, these two groups of family people, these Reubenites, these guys from Reuben, remember they could all trace their lineage back to one guy named Reuben. The other guys could trace all their family trees back to a guy named Gad. And these two large group of people, the two out of the 12 tribes, come up and say, you know what? Look around us. Yeah, the promised land is on the other side of the Jordan. That's where we're supposed to go into. But this land we're in right here is beautiful. It's got lush rolling hills and valley. And look at the grasslands. And, you know, for some reason, us couple, these two groups, we have a lot of animal. We have a lot of cattle. We have a lot of livestock. This place is perfect for us. And the land that they just conquered and some land that they did, we read a few weeks ago, right around there, Og, Basham and all that. Well, this suits our needs. What were they doing? And don't we don't we didn't really want to go over to where the promised land is. We're, we're happy right here. What are these guys doing? We say they're walking by sight and not by faith. They're they're thinking of the temporal rather than the eternal. And what they're really doing is settling for so much less than what the Lord has for them. No, no, we we don't want to go any farther. We're, we're happy right here. We're happy right here. And, and, and they aren't believing and don't want to receive the, the promises of God. And guys, this is an important reminder for us. Because Christians can do the same thing today. They can shut down spiritually And not progress any farther and feel like, well, I've arrived. You know, uh, it's as far as I need to go in my walk with the Lord. 
I really don't need to press on beyond where I am right now. Uh, uh, you know, and we need to be those who press on in our Christian faith, guys, in our Christian walk, and not settle for anything less than what the Lord has for us. You know, the Christian life is so important to enter in all the promises of the Lord because that's the place He has for us. You know, there's a big land for each one of us, if you would, a, a life that the Lord has for us that He wants us to to enter in, and we need to push ahead and not settle in because the tendency for all of us is to settle in we settle into a routine we settle into the zone we kind of work our way to try to settle into getting all this squared away in our lives and then we kind of settle in well this is as far as i i, I want to come and that's exactly what these guys are doing hey we don't need to go any farther we don't we don't need to go in there we, we can be okay out here We need to remember that the Christian life, guys, is an uphill battle. If you stop, you know, a person tends to slide backwards. And and, and we need to remember that Christian life is is a battle. And, and, you know, as we get older in the Lord, you remember some of the things that we did growing and maturing, how going to church was important, And, you know, we'd be there early and we'd stay there late and we'd read the Bible and we were interested in the things of the Lord and it was on our radio, it was on our internet. And, and you know, we did all those things to mature as a Christian and going to church and reading our Bible and all those things and praying. And then we can't somehow think that we've arrived. And, and you know, have the attitude now, well, I'm mature and I'm good and I know enough, and I do enough, and that's okay. And we kind of settle in. I, I don't want us to settle in as a church saying, well, it's you know, it's good enough, or we, we've done enough, or we do, you know, we, we need to always move ahead. What what Where do you want us to go, Lord? It's not some static thing where we just don't move, or we get to a place and all of a sudden we arrive. And these guys were just willing to take the second best. That's ah, good enough. Done enough, learned enough, heard enough, been around enough, and I just kind of coast through. And, well, let's see how Moses reacts to that in verse 6. And Moses said to the children of, his, children of Gad and the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Now, why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them? It's a good word to underline. Is that discouraged there? Thus your fathers did. That's exactly what your your parents did when I sent them uh, away uh, from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eshol and they saw the land, they were discouraged and discouraged the heart of the children of Israel, so that they did not go into the land which the Lord had given them. Verse ten. So the Lord's anger was aroused that day. And he swore an oath, saying, Surely none of the men who came up from Egypt from twenty years old and above shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, uh, the Ken, uh, Kenzanites, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. So the Lord's anger was aroused against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years 
until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. And look, you have risen in your father's place, a, br- uh, a brood of sinful men to increase still more the fierce angler of the Lord against Israel. For if you turn away from following him, he will once again leave them in the wilderness and will destroy all these people. So when Moses hears this, he basically answers, are you kidding me? <laughs> Don't you remember the lack of faith by your parents 40 years ago on that death march? They didn't believe me. They didn't want to enter into the promises. And, and, and they just wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until they died. Do you really want to do that? Do you really want to repeat of that? You, you know, God's not going to force you to go into the promised land. But if you choose not to, you're just going to you're just going to be on a slow death march. Why, why do you want to repeat that? And remember, 10 guys that gave the report back in that day 40 years earlier, there there was 12 guys that went, two guys, Joshua and Caleb said, "Yep, we can do it. It's going to be tough, but the Lord's with us." 10 guys said, "No way we can do it." had zero faith, and what did 10 people do to a a group of almost 3 million people? Discouraged them all. Discouraged them to the point where they just said, oh, forget it. We're not going to go in. And and, and Moses is saying to these people, that was 10 guys. What's it going to be like when there's, you know, 15 or 20 percent of the people want to just settle over here? Uh, and again, don't you want to enter into the promises of God? You know, it's sad sometimes because we can really be short-sighted. You know, we can forget um, the power and influence of uh, the Christian walk in the church. You know, 10 people um, influence millions and discourage them. But on the other side, 12 apostles in love with Jesus had a huge impact on the world that we all benefited from because it was through them and their preaching and then some other generation and then another generation. And it was passed along to the person uh, who shared the gospel to you. In my case, Mike Lindine shared the gospel. with me. It came from generations that started with 12 guys who were on fire and loved Jesus, and that spread to other guys that were on fire and loved Jesus, and other people, and other people, and other people, and all the way up to our generation, where whoever um, shared the, the, the witness uh, and, and the love of Jesus to you and to me. And, and, and so don't underestimate your influence for good or for bad. You, you know, if you're excited and you love Jesus, it's infectious to the rest of us. If you are losing faith and lacking faith and you're settling in and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, somebody comes up to you and Lord answered my, uh, you know, prayer, uh, you know, the other day and they're kind of excited and you go, oh, great. Well, oh, okay, that's really good. And okay. Hey, did you see the Warriors? They, they, you know, they're on tonight. Did you watch the game or whatever, you know? And and they just kind of, you know, oh, yeah, we've heard that before. You know, that could be a real discouragement to the body. Don't forget We could be a huge influence for good and encouragement 
or for, you know, the old Eeyore, oh, woe is me, it's not going to work out, I'm happy here. And, you know, when you or I settle for second best and ignore God's plan and God's best, and we kind of just take a step back and say, well, that's good enough, that affects other people. And that's what Moses is saying here, certainly. Uh, And, you know, what that reflects is it's just an inward selfish motivation. I'm okay, and I, I really don't care what anybody else thinks or what anybody else does. You know, it's just me. I make my decisions. I live my life. But, you know, Moses didn't want that to happen with these people. You know, this is what's best for me. Look at the grass. Oh, man, it'll be so good for me. And everything will go well. And my, you know, I'll be well fed and taken care of. And look at it. It's all set up. It's perfect. This is good enough for me. Good enough for me. Also worry about is me. You know, I was, um, we have a, a tree in our front yard, a couple of them, but one of them I've been trimming for, for years. And because to me, when I look at it, it's a great climbing tree. And, you know, as a kid, I used to climb trees and, you know, we kind of live in a newer neighborhood. So there's really no mature trees. And, and this one's getting to the point now after about 10 years and I've been trimming it, but I've been doing it a certain way that if, if you had a climb, there was branches you can grab onto and, you know, you can go up there. And for some reason, um, a couple days ago, uh, you know, I said, hey, guys, why don't you start climbing these trees? Look at the branches are perfect. And all of a sudden the light bulb went on for some reason, particularly with Anastasia uh and and our neighbor who lives across the street who's the same age as Anastasia and and they were all excited and they were climbing and and getting up there and then um but i noticed that Anastasia who's a little bit smaller had a hard time getting into the tree you know and so i oh, you know what i'll do i'll put little i'll screw little steps into the to the branches i mean into the the trunk just so you know a couple of them so she can get up there pretty easy and get down easier more than you know doing the death fall and so um I started doing it, and then the neighbor girl started saying, oh, I don't want those on there. And she goes, I like climbing it this way. And she's a little taller, so she can reach the branch and kind of get up. Anastasia has a little bit of a hard time. I said, well, you know, you know, it's okay. I want to put a couple steps. It's easier for you guys to get down. And, and she kept playing, no, I don't like it. It gets in the way of me climbing up the way I want to. And I started thinking to myself, this is my tree. This is my yard. I really don't care what you, what you want. I'm doing this for my daughter. I start, you know, I'm being totally honest. I'm totally thinking this. And, and then I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm like, you know, Dylan, what, just whatever. And I start, I keep doing it, right? And then Anastasia says to me, oh, she doesn't want it. Dad, can you take it off? She doesn't like it. Because she was complaining out of Anastasia. And I got to the point where I was about ready to say, you know what? If you don't like it, Have your dad trim your tree, and you climb that whenever way you want it. So that's the way I was thinking. And this kind of verse just kind of popped up in my mind here because, you see, all I really cared about was me and mine and, and how Anastasia could easily climb the tree. But, see, that that's the kind of attitude they had here. But, see, the attitude of, of, of walking with the Lord, the attitude of, trying to you know serve the Lord and, and enter into the promises of the Lord and growing in that, we just get out of that, well, this is what I want, this is what's good for my little life, and think about others and respect others and, and, and serve and share the good news. And it's more about than just about you and your little world. And these guys, on a, on a huge scale of that, were thinking, you know, I don't care if they get discouraged. I don't get discouraged. I, this is where we want to be, and we're settling in here. 
And and even Moses says to him, hey, listen, your parents died because of their lack of faith. And you want to settle in for for something outside the promised land. And um, Moses just kind of blown away. Well, this is how they respond. Uh, then they came near to him and said, well, we will build sheep folds for here for our livestock and cities for our little ones. But we ourselves will be armed and ready to go before the children of Israel until they have brought them until we have brought them to their place. And our little ones will dwell in fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. And we will not return to our homes until every one of the children of Israel has received his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on the other side of Jordan and beyond, because our inheritance has fallen to us on this eastern side of the Jordan. Then Moses said to them, If you do this thing, if you arm yourselves before the Lord, uh, before the Lord for war, And all of your armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out his enemies before him. And the land is subdued before the Lord. Then afterwards you may return and be blameless before the Lord and before Israel. And the land shall be your possession possession before the Lord. But if you do not so, then take note, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. Build cities for your little ones and folds for your sheep and do what has proceeded out of your mouth. And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben spoke to Moses saying, Your servants will do as my Lord commands. Now notice it's in verse 26 again. Our little ones, our wives, our flocks, and all our livestock will be there in the cities of Gilead. But your servants will cross over every man armed for war before the Lord to battle just as my Lord says. So when Moses goes back and are you crazy? You're going to sit here. You're going to discourage everybody. They said, well, listen, listen, no, Moses, we're going to help out. We'll, we'll send our warriors, our soldiers uh, out to battle to help you guys. But, you, you know, here's kind of their attitude. You, you know, we're, we'll do what you said. And we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll lead out there. We'll, we'll go in there. We'll help out a bit. We'll serve. We'll be a part. But we're going to leave our families out of it. They're going to be back here. They won't experience any of it. Their wives, their children, their grandchildren or whatever they had there won't see anything that the Lord is going to do in the land he had promised them. They'll miss out on that powerful work. They're, 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 they're going to see when they go into the land, them facing giants and having amazing victory against people that should wipe them out. They're going to miss the powerful walls, city walls of Jericho come tumbling down because a bunch of soldiers shouted and some trumpets were sounded and they'll see these huge city walls that were impenetrable come crumbling down everywhere and no matter where you were circled the city you could just go straight in that means there wasn't even a remnant of a wall you could go they're going to miss all that they're, they're going to miss you know these great victories and impossible odds and they're going to miss out all the blessings that the lord is going to give them they're going to miss all of that and it's sad that this would happens with people today 
you know, some people want to help out and serve in church. That's good and be a part of certain things. But for some reason, they give uh, their families some sort of pass to stay back and do their own thing or give them in their own mind some sort of freedom. But that's exactly what they were doing here. And the family misses out. Yeah, the, the, the dads or the soldiers or the grandpas, are, they're going to see some of the miracles there. But the rest of their family is going to miss out by leaving them back there. It, it's just an important thing that we don't do that. They'll miss out. So the settling for second best not only uh, you know affects them and not entering the promises God had, and they're kind of settled to this. Okay, this is good enough, and this is what looks good to me, and I'll be okay with that. And, and you know, I'm not even getting like you know my family. They're going to kind of do their own thing. They're they're not even going to be a witness to the great thing. I mean, how do you think their spiritual life's going to be when they're just left, you know, to be by themselves? So they'll miss out on the great things of the Lord and. It's sad today, you know, that that still happens. They 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 don't get them involved in the things of the Lord, even though the, one of the parents or the parents might be involved, and the children just like, well, whatever, and they can do whatever, and they need to make their own decision. Well, that's true, but at, at some point, but man, when you have influence over them, to man, it's so important that we just don't leave them behind. That they miss out on all the great things the Lord's doing in your life and my life and in the lives of godly people that they'll see and they meet. And that's what they were going to do here. Well, verse 28, So Moses gave command concerning them to Eleazar the priest, to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the chief fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel. And Moses said to them, If you children of Gad and the children of Reuben cross over the Jordan with you, every man armed for battle before the Lord, and the land is subdued before you, then you shall give them the land of Gilead as a possession. But if they do not cross over armed with you, they shall have possessions among you in the land of Canaan. Then the children of Gad and the children of Reuben answered, As the Lord has said to your servants, we will do. We will cross over armed before the Lord into the land of Canaan. But the possession of our inheritance shall remain with us on this side of the Jordan. So, Moses, because he's not going to be going in, he reminds Eleazar the priest and Joshua of their commitment and and, and says, listen, uh, this is what they've committed to do. Uh, again, uh, we can press ahead in the spirit and grow in our faith and possess the promises of God of our lot in our lives or we can stop short. Again, these guys over and over again wanted to stop short Even though it was repeated over and over again, they just, you know, they had the attitude, well, I'm saved. I don't need to change anymore. I, I don't need to fight any more spiritual battles. Yeah, I'll go to church and I'll pray once in a while and read my Bible at times, but but that's about it. That's the attitude we never want to have. And have it, well, it's pretty good here. I like it. It's kind of comfortable. You know, in, in the place that I've settled. But the Lord has so much more. You remember that verse in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. And we're encouraged, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward 
in Christ Jesus. You know, here it is, the encouragement in the New Testament. We need to press forward and not settle back here. Well, this looks comfortable. This looks good. This is my plan. I want to have this. I want to get this. And, you know, it's all about me kind of thing and me getting comfortable and me reaching a certain point. And sometimes we, we forget we need to press ahead spiritually, press forward. You notice that, you know, let's put it to this way, you're straining towards it. Yeah, going in and entering the promises. And there's going to be... Now, remember, the promised land is not heaven because there's enemies, there's wars, there's battles to be fought. Heaven's not going to be like that. But the promised land is a great picture of the Christian life for us. There's going to be spiritual battles. There's going to be the enemy who's always coming against us, but we press forward. We move forward onto what the promise of God has for us. We can't just hit this plateau and not grow any further and, and miss all that the Lord wants to do. Now, he's not going to force anybody. He's not twisting these guys' arms. Are you crazy? Are you, are you out of your mind? You're coming with me, and he throws them into the promised land. Remember the Lord's attitude. He gives us the free will. He says, you know, I'll take you as far as you want to go, but in the end, it's up to you. How far do we want to go? How deep do we want to go? In our, do we want to continue to grow or do we get satisfied of where we are in our Christian walk? And, and then we just hit this plateau and, you know, you're just kind of stuck there and nothing's changing, nothing's going on. And we're not entering in. We're not moving forward. We're not seeking the Lord. We're not asking the Lord what's next. We kind of lose that fervency. That's why it's always great to have you know, uh, new believers around the church. I, I, I you know, because they're, they're so encouraged and they just, you know, you see the changes and they're learning so much and they're growing and they're desiring to do that. It just spurs everybody on. And, and, and God's not forcing them to do anything. But, you know, they're just settling for second best, to say the least, outside the place where God wanted them. You know, here's another good encouragement from James uh, chapter 4, verse 17. Because sometimes we think, well, life is just about, I, I don't sin, I, I stay away from this trouble, and this is not good for me, and I don't do this, and I get involved in that. But it, it And that's true. But remember, we're also told anyone that who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. So there's sins... When you know this is where the Lord's calling you and the Lord's moving you to and, you, you know, the direction you should be going and what God's doing in your life. and But you, you, you step back and you said, oh, well, it's just going to be too much problem if I do that. It's going to cause too many confrontations and my life's going to be difficult and I want my life to be smooth and I don't want any of these complications. And, you know, so we, we settle in. And the Lord said, listen, if you know that you should be doing this and I've called you and I've put on your heart and you've just shoved it to the back burner continually, then, you know, it's not doing something that causes you to sin. Sometimes it's not doing something you should do. That's also considered sin. And, and, and these guys knew better, but they didn't want to enter in. And God calls that a sin as well. Well, let's look, just so you have an idea. This is the kingdoms kind of, now Egypt's down here, and these are the kingdoms as they were conquering coming up. This blue line, remember, is the Jordan River. 
And, and so they were they were coming up this way, and they had defeated. They didn't they didn't touch um, uh, the Edomites, but they did do some of Lot here eventually. And then these are the other places that they were going to. And, and this is a map of kind of where they're 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 settling in. This is what they want. Here's the promised land on this side of of the Jordan, and it goes up and it goes down. But this is the this is the promised land. But this is what they said. Now we'll, we'll just we know we'll get close. We're we're close to the promised land. You know we're right up against it. We're kind of close to where the Lord wants it. We don't want to be too far away, but yet we don't want to enter in as well. And we'll see here. We've been talking about Reuben and and, and Gad, but we'll see here in the next couple of verses as we finish up. They also influenced half of the group of Manasseh. Half of them, yeah, you know what? It is pretty nice here. It does look pretty good. This will work out for us. It's a pretty neat deal. And they'll eventually influence half of this uh, large group of people as well to stay over here. And the other half will, will go over, but these guys won't. And and again, here's a you know a picture of uh, of all the tribes where they'll eventually settle. We'll get to that in in um, Joshua, but. You know, we're gonna we're gonna stay over here, and let's read the rest of this here. Verse thirty-one. So Moses gave the children of God to the children. I'm sorry, Moses gave to the children of Gad to the children of Reuben, and now notice, and half the tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Shion, king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, king of Basham, and its land, the land with its cities within its borders, and the cities surrounding the country. And the children of Gad built Debon, uh, At Atharoth, and Ar. You guys can see that. You can read all the rest of those names there. Uh, blah blah blah. <laughs> those names: Beth Namrah, verse thirty-six. Beth Haran, fortified cities and folds for their sheep. And the children of Reuben built Heshbon and those cities right there. They changed their names, as you can see at the end of verse thirty-eight. And they gave other names to the cities which they built. And the children of Machar, the son of Manasseh, went to Gilead and took it and disposed the Amorites who were in it. And the Moses gave Gilead, Machar, Machar, that guy, Manasseh, the son, son of Manasseh, to dwell in it. Uh, also, Jr, the son of Manasseh, went and took took its small towns and called them uh, called them Havath Jr. And then Noba went and took. Um, Kenneth and its villages, and called it after uh, Noba, after his own name. So you can see these are some of the towns that they took that were in there. They're listed right there. And again, guys, this is the place they settled for, right up against the promised land, but not entering into the promises of God, not entering in where God had for them. And you know what happened? These guys became easy pickings. For the enemy, they would have the most trouble. They were the first group to fall and to fall in idolatry. They were the first group uh, to get attacked. They were the first group to move away from the Lord. You, you know, uh, eventually in Jesus's day, remember the area of the Gadarenes. It became a place where there was a bunch of pig farmers. And demon possessed people running around. That that's what that became in Jesus's day. Uh, remember, he goes over to the Gadarenes, and all, it just that's what this whole area became. It, it just outside the will and the place God has a person, 
you become easy pickings for the enemy and he picks you off. And it's easy to fall back into things that the Lord doesn't have for a person. I find personally that, you know, the people that need the most help and counseling are the people who have given the least amount of attention to the Lord. But conversely, those who have given a lot of attention to the Lord and and, and, and given him the most attention, they're the people that really are such a blessing to the church and to people. Because you don't want to become an anorexic Christian, if you would. You know, we, we don't starve the spirit. We don't feed with other things. And then, you know, we all eat very well, all of us. We all have good food and we're blessed in so many ways. But, you know, again, it's important that we feed the spiritual. Because if we're starving that and filling with other things, we'll be like these These guys that just get picked off, and we'll, we'll we'll read it as we read through the Old Testament. We'll see these guys get wiped out, and their book of Judges, man, people are coming in and taking advantage of them, and then they get involved in all the other stuff that's going on there, and they just kind of go the way of the world, and eventually, you know, like I said, in Jesus' day, they're just not even really remotely connected, and um, all because they didn't want to enter in and move forward and enter into the promises God had for him. Well, let's learn that important lesson. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time that we looked at these uh, great lessons tonight, Father. Help us, Lord, to not only just be hearers, but doers. Lord, you have so much for us. And, and I know just us in this room, Lord, you've gifted us with so much. And you've blessed us with so much. And Lord, you're always constantly so good to us. And we worry about things and we get kind of bent out of shape by these things but father as we just look step back and look you love us and you've taken care of so much and you've blessed us and loved us and done so much in our lives lord and it doesn't just end there there's not a place that we arrive and park and set up camp oh well in heaven will certainly do that but down here it is an uphill battle and there's going to be difficulties But there's also going to be great victories and great blessings along the way. And Lord, it's all preparation for for heaven. And you, you want us to be ready for where we do park it, so to speak, and we do have this eternal wonder and amazement. You're working in us now those great things that will pay great dividends later on. And that will never end. And so help us, Father. Help us to spur on those that we know and that you bring us in contact with that might be settling in and settling for second best and never seem to kind of enter into the promises. They're always kind of, you know, one foot in, one foot out and, and, and you know, kind of make it or feel like they've done enough and you know, they kind of just, you know, settle in. And Father, help us to be those that encourage them and and. and You know, not like Manasseh, not like a Gad and Reuben that even caused another half a group of people to to join in. We, we have a great influence for good or or not for good. Remind us that each one of us is is hugely important in that area. And then together as the church, it makes such an important factor in the church lord so we thank you father that you preserve these lessons for us lord and 
Again, minister to our hearts, Father. Bless your people. Remind them, show them of the great blessings that you have in store for them. The promises that you've given them. The land and things that you want them to do and conquer and experience. The wonder of your love and of your plan. Bless them and thank you, Father, for those blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.